You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the CEO and founder of Rock, Paper, Scissors, a PR firm that specializes in music innovation and music technology. Today, I'm excited. I've got Dan Yen, the CEO of Vertigo, on, and we're going to get a chance to dive into what Vertigo is and Dan's story and take it from there. So how are you doing today, Dan? Good, good, Dimitri. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, again, great to have you on. And I, Thank you know, you. when I have folks who haven't been on the podcast before, I love to just dive right in so that our listeners get a sense of what you're up to. So, for anyone who's new to Vertigo, how would you describe it? Yeah, Vertigo is a, a technology platform that helps artists boost streams on the DSPs um, by syncing their music to live video to recorded video. And, you know, we're a platform that exists on both um, on the web as well as on an app. Um, so, I mean, in a nutshell, that's what we are. And I can I can talk further about both those types. Yeah. I mean, it's so cool. Just I mean, just that description right out of the gate. You're like, wait a minute, you're syncing uh, streams to live video. So why why would you right. do that? Yeah. You know, I think when it comes to like artist interactions with fans, um, they they interact with fans in through live streams, you know, um, you know, on YouTube or wherever, and usually there isn't any music involved with the DSPs. They're they're telling their fans, hey, go listen to my music, and they have a whole link and all these ways to go listen, and and that social experience really is disconnected from music listening. And so the artist is, is, is kind of strange. The artist is having this great social moment with the fans. And then they tell the fans to go away, you know, to go listen to my music elsewhere. And so, you know, Vertigo is trying to bring that together, you know, and make it one and the same. It's like, why not? Why, why, why take that social moment and separate it from the listening of music? And also the the artist benefit because they can actually drive paid streams. Oh man, I just like right out of the gate, I just want to dive into this because it's so interesting. All of a sudden, I'm like, wait a second, you have all these social platforms. You mentioned YouTube, but obviously there's mm. Twitch and there's Facebook and Instagram. Instagram has become the huge mm -hmm. thing for like connection to fans, and yeah. it literally does feel disconnected from the actual listening experience. You might get little snippets or videos or something, mm -hmm. but um, but then connecting it to the stream. Streaming um, providers is a, is a whole other thing. All right, we'll get there. But what's what's the sure. origin story of Vertigo? How, uh, why did you create it? Yeah, so you know one of the co-founders, Greg Leakley, right? Yeah. Um, you know, he, well, he's always telling me how he's trying to one-up you on the colorful shoes at those conferences <laughs> that you're at. Um, but, you know, Greg, he comes from a fintech background. And, you know, back in the day, he always thought it was weird how, you know, you couldn't trade, you couldn't actually clear stock trades from Fidelity to Merrill Lynch and these financial institutions were siloed. Hmm. Um, and he thought about, well, you know, that's very much like what the music industry is. You know, songs and music are siloed in these streaming platforms. And so, you know, how could we remove that barrier? And what would it look like if we built a platform where music could be shared across streaming providers? And once you've, you know, kind of share create that capability then you know you could open up other possibilities and layer on like social features on top of that foundation and and that's really how how it was born you know they you know greg and a co-founder patented the idea of syncing music across dsps in the cloud 
And then, you know, the idea continued to grow from there. Yeah. Oh wow, that's great! I hadn't I hadn't heard that connection between his his uh, vision of fintech being siloed and music being siloed, but it makes total sense once you identify that pattern and kind of how technology emerges in one industry, you can see it happening in in other places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so sure. we talked about streaming services playing this pivotal role, um, uh, you know, and it's really the pivotal role is really in bringing revenue back to the music industry, uh, but at right. the same time, there's all this fan engagement that's moved to social media platforms platforms like we were talking about. Why has it been so hard to connect engagement on socials with music listening? Yeah, well, I think, again, it comes down to what is truly social about music. And as we've dug into that, it's like, is music even social? Um, what, what, what is social about it? Um, you know, most of the times you realize that outside of live concerts, music is actually not the primary focus. Hmm. Um, a lot of times, you know, music is is an accompaniment, right? It's an add-on to like a party or a football game or other sporting events. And so you, you think about, you know, when is music actually social? And one of the moments it is, is when an artist drops new music. You know, they've got a new album coming out, they're gonna hold a listening party. And that's when the artist wants to talk about their music. And that's when fans want to talk to each other, they want to interact with the artist. And again, going back to, you know, how these social media platforms artists are on these platforms because that's where people are being social and they're going to do a live stream. But then again, they like send their fans off to other platforms to listen to the music and it's not integrated. And so, you know, when you think about, okay, what is social about music? That's a pretty big moment, you know? And, and I think that's where Vertigo fills the gap, you know, Vertigo comes in and integrates that moment and creates that unique experience where artists and fans can engage around the music both live and not live. Yep. So, so what does that look like when, when, when let's say, let's say an artist is releasing something new, they want to collaborate with Vertigo. What are they doing? What does it look like from the artist experience? What does it look like from the fan experience on Vertigo? Yeah. So like I said before, Vertigo is both an app and a, a web function. So on the app, it's, it's very much like a clubhouse app, but instead of audio rooms, it's listening lounges. And so we already have artist lounges created for all the artists on Apple and Spotify. And artists can come in and take ownership of their lounge, turn on live video, they can chat. The fans can come in and chat and listen to the new music like synced live. And it's a pretty powerful experience when fans can experience a new album for the first time with the artist in their lounge live and get the artist reaction. And the artist can pause a song and talk about behind the scenes and all of that. And all that entire social engagement is streaming the artist's music and paying the artist. Um, so that's that's a primary function of, hey, how artists can utilize their their app. Yeah, go ahead. So so wait, when you say they're getting paid, explain that because I know you said it connects to streaming services, but what are you, what are yeah. you really saying there? Yeah, so the key point here is, you know, when you engage in the platform, you actually link your personal Spotify or Apple account. And so you're actually hearing the music from your personal account. And what our technology does is it syncs the experience for everyone who's on the platform. And so every stream and every listen is actually a, a paid charted stream for the artist. And so, you know, that, that's how the artist can actually monetize that moment. 
Got it. Okay. And it's interesting, the comparison to Clubhouse, because I know, um, well, when Clubhouse <laughs> was big at the moment, I don't know what it's doing right now, but what, when it was yeah. big at the moment, you <clears throat> started to see some artists that were trying to figure out how to engage on it. I certainly saw Dead Mouse, but mostly just there for conversations. There was literally no music. We'd be talking about the music industry. There's no music. Or MC Hammer talking about the music industry or talking about music and tech, but no music. And then there were exactly. folks that, more indie artists that were like the Lullaby Club, where they were actually like creating their own little series or even 24-hour streams of down, uh, you know, downbeat, chill music and um, down-tempo stuff. And, um, and and maybe there was no conversation, but yeah. certainly nobody was monetizing it in terms of like the right. actual streams or the listeners. So this kind of flips that idea on its head like, well, let's start with streams, right? And so you're streaming yeah. directly from Spotify or Apple, but something else is happening. And you're saying on your yeah. app, it's video. Yeah, you know, I think it, it always surprises me that you've got these social digital experiences on all of these different platforms, but music streaming is not integrated with them. So it's, it's just why, you know, and, and that's where we're like, well, let's let's fix that. Let's help the artist, you know, and, and, and the artist is giving away their social currency, all the engagement the artist is doing, whether through content that's pre-recorded or live, none of that is actually paying the artist. And then, and then the interesting that's ha- thing that's happening there is the license for the music is on the uh, it's on the burden of the the social media platform. Whereas in your model, like I've already paid for my license, I'm paying for Spotify exactly. to listen, and somehow yeah. I can yeah. hear the same song at the same time as somebody that's on the other side of the country. But we're sitting there in a lounge with an artist, we're both listening to it, and the artist is getting streams for all as many artists are in the room. Yeah, and the cool thing is if artists actually adopted this in mass and they created really cool content and experiences, it would actually drive premium subscriptions up. I mean, people will say, hey, I, in order for me to enjoy this with the music, I need to sign up for a DSP. And they're gonna pay, and they're gonna actually increase the total pie of the revenue for the industry. I, I, think, I think that's that's something that could really happen. So it's both the number of streams and even the number of paid subscriptions. Yeah, for sure. Got it. Interesting. So I understand you're testing out at Vertigo a model that includes a physical studio where artists come to be interviewed and where fans can listen to songs together with the artists like you've described and share these live exclusive conversations between songs. Why did you choose to combine this uh, IRL experience with online synchronous listening? Yeah. So in our in our Nashville space, you know, we built this physical lounge called the Vertigo Lounge. And like you said, we've been inviting artists every Wednesday night to talk about their music. But, you know, we've paired this live streaming experience with music streaming. And again, it's all centered around, hey, how do we help the artists monetize their engagement with their fans? And in this case, it's a live streaming event. And it's a one of a kind studio like no one's ever actually integrated live video streaming with music streaming. And that's something we've done. Um, it's a lot of fun, you know, there's, it happens on the app and fans can come in, they can chat there, you know, the host is taking questions from the audience on, on the, on the app and the, the artists, you know, what's interesting is they come into the Vertigo Lounge and they generally don't know what they've gotten themselves into. <laughs> and then they're like, wait a second, there's, there's this like screen with chat going on and it's being live streamed and some of the music's coming from Spotify and Apple. And then at the end of it, the artists and the managers are like, what in the world? This was so cool. Like, this was an amazing experience. Like, this this is the highest tech interview I've ever been part of. Um, and you know what? What we love about it is not only are we driving and supporting streams for the artists doing the live portion, 
But when the interview is over, it's recorded, it's shareable via web link, and all subsequent views of the interview is actually driving streams for the artist as well, because we stitch in the music from the DSPs just via the web. It's like a YouTube link, right? So, so that entire thing in terms of partnering, it's really a, a place for us to showcase the technology and also to educate the artist and the community on what is Vertigo about? You know, wh wh how do we leverage this technology to help artists drive streams? So, wow, that you yeah. know what it makes me think about. Um, it's kind of like analogous to Twitch and video gamers, right? They're they're playing games with their audience, their chats happening, and so forth. It's kind of like, well, instead of playing a video game together, you're listening to your Spotify or Apple Music together. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so, if there's labels or managers or agents who are listening who have artists coming through Nashville, they could hit you up and try try to Absolutely. set up a. Yeah, I mean, every Wednesday night, I mean, we just, we book them and they come in and they start, and, and they just talk about their music. We put their music videos along the back wall. Um, and it's actually a very engaging experience with the fans because people are chatting and adding emojis. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, fun. yeah. That, that reminds me of like a YouTube live or a Twitch. So tell us, can you tell us about any of the specific listening parties that you've held recently? Like, have, have, have you had examples of artist fan experiences that came, came out of them? Yeah, you know, a few weeks ago, we had the artist, the Wombats, uh, hold a listening party with their new album on the app. And again, it was a lot of fun. They elected not to do the live video, uh, so they chatted, but they also had this impromptu slideshow of images they just took on the fly because one of the features in the artist lounge is you can actually change the background image with your camera. And so, you know, they were like taking pictures of them doing handstands and one of them with their foot. Uh, it was just kind of super fun. And the, the fans were like chatting and having a blast. And the whole time they're streaming their music and they're streaming their, their latest album. So it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. That's like a whole new format, like a slideshow listening party. Oh yeah. That's, yeah, for sure. That's for sure. Fun. Cool. So what else can we expect from Vertigo in the future? Where is this going to go? You know, I think the whole goal is how do we equip artists to maximize their streaming revenue, giving them and equipping them with social tools. And, you know, the app is one of them, the web features. And so we're going to continue to build those tools out and make them as user friendly as possible. You know, even web based tools for artists to like use on their own and create content and stitch music to uh, one of the kind of short term goals we're doing is we're going to auto record the listening parties that happen on the app so then they can become shareable web links. So, for example, the Wombats had a listening party last, you know, a couple weeks ago. Well, we want that to be recorded. And so that, you know, if you miss the live, you can just click this web link and experience that entire listening party and you're streaming their music all over again. So that's something that we're doing. I, I love I love that, that you kind of you create this content that fans will be interested in. But then it continues to have this reverberating effect on, on mm. people streaming, too, because honestly, like the streaming experience, you know, at first it was, you know, it was kind of cool because you've got this celestial jukebox of pretty much anything. And then you had this wave of playlist creators, whether they were like on team editorial creators or just user generated playlists that you can search and stuff or the collaborative thing with a family member, a friend, a loved one, somebody you're like jamming together, putting together something or just like I put together these work playlists just for fun and try to share them out with like my <laughs> colleagues and and stuff yeah. like it's it's got to have the right vibe that's like right, gets your right, flow right. going and stuff. But Within the actual apps, there isn't that much 
it's really hard to get like artist driven content. It's like you right. can have that like playlist from the artist, and sometimes it's just like their latest singles. Sometimes it's stuff they're inspired by, yeah. but it, it's it has a real static feel to it. So it's cool to think about yeah. artists like creating this other content that then is you know has that link to your streaming service. Well, you know, I think that's why we created the artist lounges on the app because they're digital spaces that the artist music is always playing 24 seven streaming. So they're like little micro communities where if the fan bases can congregate in this digital room, they can chat about, chat about the music with each other. They can hang out in that space, even when the artist isn't there. And it's basically the anchor for the artist's music on DSPs for community. Hmm. And I, you know, I think that's why I mean, we haven't talked about that. Yeah. So wanting to tip up like every artist on Apple and Spotify already have a hangout digital lounge on the app. And, you know, I think it's, it's a perfect place. And if it becomes a place where, you know, fans just hang out in artists can come in, turn on live video, pop in and just surprise their fans, engage socially, disappear. Fans can sit there. I mean, all the lounges we have have shareable cues. So they're votable cues that fans can add songs from the artist's you know, repertoire. They can vote what plays next together. They can chat about it. Again, it's a synced listening experience. So it's a 24-7 hangout spot for every artist on Apple and Spotify. And that, it's digital. So. That, that, I mean, that's cool. So even if the artist isn't doing a listening party or isn't engaged at all, right. fans can just show up and hang out and listen to music together and be in the chat together, all focused around that artist. I could see yeah. artists maybe wanting to actually like tweet or or post those links out, you know, yeah. for the for the lounges, yeah. <laughs> because like why, like why why would you just want to post static content when you could just be right. getting people to do streams, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, why would you want to encourage to build community anywhere else except for a place where your music's being streamed and actually paying you like that? It's a, kind of a no-brainer, right? Yeah. So what about yeah. you, Dan? I mean, you, you're you kind of on fire during this interview, by the way. <laughs> okay, thank you. What, what is your background and how did you get involved with Vertigo? Where did this guy come from, guys? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I actually am, a, you know, I started off my career as a controls engineer, got a mechanical engineering degree, and then I started testing military jet engines on the Joint Strike Fighter program. And I did that for seven years, um, deep into like, that, you know, spent some time at Skunk Works, you know, where it was America's first vertical takeoff stealth fighter. Wow. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, and then I ended up getting an MBA degree from Carnegie Mellon, graduated from that, and then started my first company. Uh, we built uh, um, a company right out of a garage selling DVDs and CDs, music CDs on eBay and Amazon. And within a few short years, we became the largest seller of media on those marketplaces. Um, and so, you know, during the course of that time, I would attend the Madame conference in Cannes, France, and you're probably familiar with that conference. Oh yeah, we've we've uh, done some episodes from there. In fact, some of the oh, first cool. Tectonics was from Madame back when there was Madame. A yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's we, a cool spot. Dan, were you yeah. selling used CDs and DVDs? Uh, we sold primarily new. Oh, um, you were like you a know, retailer. Sold, yeah, absolutely. We we had you you know even today the business is still running. I'm not running it, but. It still has over a million SKUs on eBay and Amazon, even today. You know? That's crazy. Um, you know, okay, so, so you were saying you went to Medem. Yeah, so I would go to Medem every year, you know, primarily to touch base with CD distributors. And that's where I got connected with uh, one of the co-founders I talked about before, Greg Leakley. 
And he was like, so what do you do? And I'm like, oh, no, I sell physical CDs. And he's like, well, I'm doing streaming music. And I was thinking, well, that's cool. I mean, that's that's the future, you know? Streaming music's future. I, I want to get involved. And so, you know, I joined him in the effort. And that was about eight years ago and jumped over to Vertigo, uh, promoted someone else to be the CEO of my company. And, and, and he's still running my old company. So that's that's my origin story. There. Wow, that is that is cool. That's quite the leap from total like, not just physical but like retail and and retail on eBay. It's like yeah, you found a, a kind of the nooks and crannies of like, wait a second, you can sell this stuff anywhere, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. <laughs> how, how has it been to jump from that physical world to the streaming? I mean, I guess since you've got an engineering background, there's all it unlocked the whole other side of your brain. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I think. For, you know, I'm definitely coming from a technology standpoint, and I think that's a great fit because, like I said in the very beginning, Vertigo is a technology platform. Um, and, and so, I mean, for sure, there was a pretty steep learning curve. You know, you're selling physical CDs on eBay, and suddenly you're trying to build a social music app and platform, right? So um, a lot of learning, you know, from the very beginning, um, you know, both just basic UI, UX design on an app to how streaming works and how social platforms work and how do we marry everything together. So, you know, first X number of years was just a ton of learning. Uh, and, and I think that journey has kind of meandered over seven, eight years. We're finally landing to, I think, uh, a really good spot. Yeah. It's also interesting because Greg is in North Carolina. You're in Nashville. Um, no, actually, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. You're in Charlotte yeah. as well. Yeah, you guys are in yeah, Charlotte. Yeah. And then you have the studio in Nashville. It's like the Southern That's Music right. Tech Company. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I think when people find out about us, they, they do think it's a little bit odd um, because we're, we are tech. We're not in Silicon Valley, but then we have this anchor in Nashville. And then the a lot of us, you know, you know, leaders are in Charlotte. So it, it is weird. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. All right, Dan, it's time for us to get sci fi. OK, cool. <laughs> sweet, sweet. So if you could dream up the coolest things to happen in the music industry in five years, uh, what would things look like? Well, you know, especially in light of where we are right now today with the pandemic and everything, I just think it'd be super cool if the music industry was able to replicate the excitement, the engagement, the vibrance of being able to attend a live concert anywhere in the world. Um, and I, I know, you know, that there is some trends going that direction, but I feel like if you could replicate that experience and you can, you know, either put on some goggles or whatever and, and have the music be as lively, um, you know, even as much as being able to have backstage interactive passes that's digital with the artists, uh, maybe like signed digital merch becoming NFTs, um, you know, just being able to just attend that. And of course, you know, be able to hang out with your friends there. I think that would be really amazing um, and that'd be super high tech. Um, you know, you know, nothing's ever going to beat being in person, live concert, of course. But in as much as making that experience and replicating that for you to go attend. And I think that also increases the revenue for the artist because I could see people wanting to attend almost every stop on the tour and not just the one they can get there and get to in person. So, you know, I think there's just so many opportunities to expand you know, the, 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 the revenue opportunities for, for the industry, if you could 
you make that a reality. I know, I know it's not easy, but you know, we're talking sci-fi, sci-fi five years, right? So, um, anyway, that's yeah, what I thought. yeah, yeah. No, that that's good. It's interesting to see all the innovation on the live stream concert side that's that's happening. But it, it's true, it's hard to actually replicate it, and yeah, um, yeah. and it'll be interesting to see, especially with kind of the the mixed reality or virtual reality components, where it really feels like you've been somewhere. It's funny. I was talking yeah. to somebody. Um, there was just a Wired article that came out that said, you know, everyone's pitching this metaverse thing, but does anybody really care? Is anybody does anybody actually right. want it? And uh, yeah. I think some of it is you kind of have to experience it to to start to want it, which is kind of a strange yeah. barrier, right? It's like usually you build something because there's a there's a there's a demand for it, there's a need for it. You're solving a problem, but occasionally you come across some technology where it's like people didn't know they wanted it until they experienced it, and then once they experienced right. it, they really wanted it. And I think that's one of the cases with with a lot of um, applications of VR. People, yeah, yeah. To- well, I, I think the the key thing that needs to happen is how realistic it feels when you're in that experience, when you're in that VR. You know, um, my kids got an Oculus goggle, you know, for Christmas, and I had never, ever experienced it. And it was just a few weeks ago I put it on. And even it wasn't even that realistic, but I could see myself getting lost in it. And, you know, almost to the point where, dude, if this got really realistic, I would need someone to tap me or say, you're not this is not real. Like, take this off. Like I could, I feel like I need someone to pull me out. Like, and, and it reminded me that, well, I don't even remember the one movie where you could get lost, you know, as you get dug down in, in the, in the VR world. Um, and, and I think that could, could happen, but, but I think in order for it to be successful, uh, successful, it's, it's gotta be super realistic. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's where technology comes in. Right? I think step one is, so. is getting a sense that you're someplace that you're, you're actually gone someplace that you've interacted mm-hmm. with somebody or done something that feels mm-hmm. either real or in another world. Um, right. but right. yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good sci-fi moment. So Dan, right. is there anything else we need to touch base on about vertigo or this connection with social engagement and streaming? Did we, do we cover it? Do, I think we did a pretty good nutshell. Yeah, no, I think so. I think, again, if I were to just sum it up, it's really about how do we help artists actually boost and increase their revenue through streaming whenever they create content or engage with fans. I think that's really what we're looking at is, you know, trying to bring that whole world of social monetization of streaming together. um, And that's our mission. Yeah. I think you've done we've done a good job summarizing it. So thank and, you, and thank you for this. Oh, yeah. it's yeah, it's a blast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was super fun hearing you. You you really did get kind of uh, um, kind of energ- energized in this conversation, <laughs> which is super fun. If people want to check it out, they can go to the App Store and download Vertigo. Yeah, they can go to you know any iOS or Android Vertigo Music. Check out the app. Um, again, we're starting to launch off app features on the web as well. So you know, keep a lookout for that too. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us on Music Tectonics, Dan. All right. Thanks, Dimitri. Take care. It was a pleasure. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know you can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and find me, Dimitri Vitsa 
if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye. You're listening to Music Tectonics.